Good to have you watching this morning. Wherever you're at, I hope that you are enjoying your time uh, with your family. Uh, church events this week, as you probably realize, are canceled. And uh, that will go on until further notice. If you need information, you can call my cell phone, call the church. We'll try to help as much as we can. We also want to make sure that we all understand that we want to continue to worship God in as many ways as we can. And one of those is with our giving. And you can send money by check. You can also bring money to the office if you make arrangements ahead of time. And you can also continue to worship with your giving by using the link that is on our website and on our phone app. These are difficult times that we're in. It was interesting to make a trip back east last week. As many of you know, I traveled to Chicago to help my daughter Rebecca through a very difficult time. And while in Chicago, I was asked to make a trip to Walmart. And in that Walmart, it was pandemonium. The crowd was larger than any crowd I've experienced during the, crush, the Christmas rush. It was, it was crushing. The, 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 it, was, it was something I'd never really experienced. People were grumpy and shoulder to shoulder, so much for there being a social distancing. There also was no meat, no dairy products, no paper products. And the atmosphere in this Walmart was one of fear and anxiety. And the reality is that we live in a world that is driven by anxiety and fear, especially with this pandemic. In our country, in our culture, we are the most indulged, comfortable society in history. We are also the most anxious, stressed, panicked, and fearful culture ever. And I can say that because we have a massive system to deal with stress and anxiety, counseling, Internet instruction, books, medication, various kinds of therapy, all sorts of things that we have in our culture to, to deal with anxiety and stress. And many of these are just fine. There's not a problem with them, and they can be helpful. But often, the worry, anxiety, and stress, and fear are only diagnosed, not relieved. The language is often a language of how to manage anxiety or, or stress, how to manage your, your life that causes you to worry, not to eliminate those things. There's a much better way, and that way is Jesus. He wants to eliminate our anxiety, worry, and fear, not teach us how to manage it. We are in a great time of anxiety, fear, and stress. We know that. But Jesus offers a much greater plan than just trying to manage it. A plan for elimination of our fears and our stress and our worry. Jesus truly has a solution for those things. It's interesting, in the New Testament, Jesus addresses fear, worry, and anxiety 12 times. And I want to look at one of those times this morning. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But we're going, to, we're going to stay focused this morning on how Mark records it in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. We read this. On that day, when the evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. 
And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples weren't dealing with the coronavirus. They weren't dealing with the things that we are right now. But they were like us totally consumed with what was happening at that time. They were consumed with with the fear of losing their life to something that they had no control over. In verse 37, Mark says that there was a fierce gale of wind. In Matthew, he calls it a great storm. Most of the disciples were fishermen. They knew how terrible these storms on the Sea of Galilee could be. They knew about handling a boat. So they also put all that together and they knew they were in grave danger. They knew the boat was about to sink. While this storm was, was causing the boat to, to, to start sinking, Jesus is asleep in the stern. He's, he's sleeping on a cushion. And the di- disciples accuse him of not caring if they die. Jesus wakes up and he sees them and, and he confronts their fear by, by speaking a simple phrase. Hush, be still. And the result, and, and the wind stops. The waves disappear and, and, and the sea becomes calm. How incredibly amazing is that? Those men had experienced tr- the tremendous power of storms in the past. They knew what storms were like. They knew the sea also wouldn't just suddenly become calm. Who but God could possess such power? Jesus stopped all of that tremendous storm with simple words. Hush, be still. Jesus demonstrated to the disciples and to us his unlimited power. In Mark 4.41, we read, They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we've got two different kinds of fear going on. We're first introduced to the fear that they, they have of the storm. They're, they're afraid that, they, that they're going to sink. And, and now we see another kind of fear. It's a fear of, of what just occurred with Jesus. They were now afraid of the incredible power of Jesus stopping the storm with only spoken words. As we deal with these uncertain times, with the fear and the anxiety, we need to remember the truth about Jesus. We must learn the same lesson Jesus was teaching his disciples, and it needs to be maybe for some of us a refresher course in this lesson. Because Jesus responds to their fear of 
what he did by saying, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The lesson here is very clear. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ, even in the most severe, ominous, intimidating circumstances. Jesus was victorious over Satan and demons. He was victorious over diseases. His supernatural power was victorious even over death. The disciples had no options. The the boat was sinking. There was nothing they could do. And and Jesus was asleep. I can imagine that. And I can can see the the strain of these these men who understood sailing and and fishing and being out on, on the water and And they knew what the boat was doing. And they're looking at this guy. And he's their master. And he's he's asleep. No wonder they said, don't you even care? Why aren't you with us being afraid? I can also imagine Jesus calmly waking up from his sleep. And seeing the fear of his disciples. And his response to their fear is is he uses exactly the same power that he used to create the universe. He spoke. The wind stopped. The sea became calm. Then Jesus observes a different fear in the disciples. This fear wasn't the oppressive fear of impending death from the storm. This this new fear didn't didn't cause panic. This fear was the disciples realizing that Jesus had absolute power over nature. Astonishing. The storm and the waves were terrifying, but the experience Jesus exhibited, that, that was unparalleled supernatural power. That could only belong to God. That was even more traumatic. But it was traumatic for those disciples and for us in a positive way. The fear in this part of the passage is reverential fear. This is fear out of awe, amazement. The rebuke Jesus gave was out of love. His love was such that he wanted his disciples to trust him completely. And that's the same lesson that Jesus wants for us to learn in this passage. And he wants us to to grow in as we struggle with the events that we're in today. Trust Jesus. There's no one greater. There's nothing too difficult for him. We've sung songs about that. We sometimes talk that way. But but when we're in the middle of something that is really challenging, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that there is nothing too difficult for him? We often encounter problems in life. And many times those problems um, have very little to do with us or, or, or our ability to solve them. Sometimes we don't even have the ability to understand the problems that come our way. And we, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out, what are we supposed to do? There's a lot of unknowns. We don't know all of what's going on right now with the, the situation in the world. 
But God does. We may not know what to do, and we may not have the ability to deal with what is happening now, but God is able. God knows all about this virus. He has always known everything about this virus. He always has known that it would come. He knows how it will play out. He knows exactly what is happening everywhere with this virus. That's astonishing. We know that to be a truth because we see the same kind of knowledge in Jesus. He knew it would storm. He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. He gets in the boat. He already knew what was going to happen. He knew how the disciples would respond. Jesus knew they needed a huge lesson in trusting him. They needed to strengthen their faith in him. For, for us in this time, some of what's happening, God will use to bring people to himself. We need to be a part of that. For some of us, it's, it's a reminder of how big God is, how great God is, and how powerful he is. God already knows how this will end. He knew the beginning, the middle, and the end perfectly. He's in control. There's another part of this that, that struck me very deeply, and that is that very possible, very possible, Peter, the apostle Peter, was on the boat when Jesus calmed the sea. And if you remember, Peter was, was also the only disciple who stepped out of another boat and walked on the water for a couple of steps on another occasion when Jesus calmed the sea. And it's Peter who then writes to us and, and gives us an exhortation about trusting Jesus with our anxieties. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. He writes this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you under, uh, in the, excuse me, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He starts with humble yourselves. This is incredibly important because pride, pride destroys faith. Pride is, is also the foundation of all sin. We know that to be true because pride was, was what was seen in Satan. It was his pride that caused him to be eliminated from heaven. So pride destroys faith. Pride cries out, I can take care of myself. I can do this without anyone's help. I don't need God. I believe that it's also pride that drives fear and anxieties like we see. And some of the ways that we see that is the panic and the hoarding that's been taking place. Now, in the middle of all this, we do need to be wise and we need to be careful concerning what we do and how we live and how we interact with each other concerning the virus. But as believers... 
Do we trust God? I mean, really trust that he has everything under control. If he doesn't have everything under control, then he really ceases to be God. Are we willing to humble ourselves and submit to him and trust him? In verse 7, Peter gets a little more practical and he says, casting all your anxieties on him. Casting is, is from a Greek word that means literally to throw onto. And this word is, is used only in one other place in the New Testament and one place in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's used in a way that will help us to understand the meaning and how the term was used. That other place that the term is used, casting, is when Jesus is preparing to come into Jerusalem for the last time, his disciples go out and they find a, a, a colt and they bring the colt to Jesus to ride. And he's going to ride that animal into the city of Jerusalem. And in Luke 19.35, it says, They brought to Jesus, brought it to Jesus, the colt, and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. So the use of the word there is that they, they threw their cloaks, they threw something onto the colt, for Jesus to sit on. The meaning of the word in 1 Peter 5, 7 is casting. That The meaning of that word means to throw on. It does not mean to throw aside. It doesn't mean that we take our, our anxieties and our worries and our stress and we, we just toss them aside. It literally means that we take our anxieties and we put them, we toss them, we place them on Jesus. I like to think of it this way. When you load a pack animal, a horse or, 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 or a mule, or if you load a truck, you place things on the animal or on the truck so that they can be carried. That's how the word is, is meant to be used. Jesus wants to carry our burden. We're being exhorted by Peter to not to just toss our, our anxieties aside, but to place them onto Jesus, who has the total perfect ability to carry any anxieties that we have. Just like in the storm. Jesus has the supernatural ability to deal with the cause of the anxiety. The cause of the disciples' anxiety in the storm was the storm. Jesus easily handled the storm. Hush, be still. Just like that storm, Jesus has the supernatural ability to deal with the virus in whatever way that needs to be. The Old Testament place that this same word can be found is in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The, 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 the Septuagint uses the same word in Psalms 55, 22. And that psalm, that verse there, teaches the same truth. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. 
When we cast our anxiety on God, he deals with it because he cares for those who love him. We see that in 1 Peter, because he cares for us. I wonder sometimes if we misunderstand or if we, we forget the extent to the care that God has for his people. His care, actually, it's really incredibly amazing. Think through how God cares for us. First of all, because he's the creator, he cares for us by giving us life. The air you breathe, your existence, everything, you know, the planet we live on, he created all that, so he, he cares for us by giving us life. He also cares for us by sending Jesus to die for us. His care is so deep and loving that when we were enemies of God because of our sin nature, he sent Jesus to die for us. His care was that great. He sent his son to die even when we deserve the punishment of death. God also cares for us by than raising Jesus from the dead. God cares for us so much that he didn't just just stop at his son dying. His son rose from the dead, conquered death. Believers don't fear death. I've been in a couple situations in my life where death was right there. I remember being in Nicaragua and having... Automatic weapons, four or five feet away, and these guys that looked like they were elementary boys, they looked so young, and their commanding officer was jumping up and down and waving his hands and screaming at me in Spanish, and I, I don't know Spanish. So I just stood there and went, I'm going to die. Here I am in my white trousers and a blaze orange shirt that, that belo- I was working for the cruise liner and I was the first one off and they've got their guns on me and I, I heard the bolts get pulled back and they're in firing position. And I was so spiritual. I remember how, I mean, what a good man of prayer. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. That's about all I could get out. But God knew what was taking place. For some unknown reason, a, di- another dip- a-, a diplomat, not another diplomat, but a diplomat from another country had been on our ship. And nobody really knew why he was there. And this, this man, really nice guy, um, I-, I really think highly of him because he came down the gangplank um, and came over, and he's, he's very calm. He's speaking very good Spanish, and, and his gestures are all very, very nice. And, and he's able to get this officer to calm down, and they have a conversation in Spanish. And, and some of it was tense, and I'm still standing, that, standing there, and all of the soldiers have their weapons on me. I thought I was going to die. A few minutes, it seemed like hours, but it was only a few minutes. And the diplomat is carrying on this conversation. And all of a sudden, he turns around and he looks at me and goes, get on the ship. And at the same time, the commander says something. And 
the position of the rifles changes. The weaponry, you know, it's, it's no longer at me. And there's this white and orange blur as I run back up onto the ship. Zip! Back up onto the ship. And I was thinking all day long, if there was no known reason for this diplomat to be on that ship, I know one. God sent him there to save me from being killed. I had dinner with that diplomat that night. And he told me that in, in Nicaragua a week before, it was a little different circumstances. The army shot someone. And then tried to figure out what the, the issue was. I don't fear death. And I don't want anyone to fear death. If you're a believer, there's no need to. Because God cares for us so much that he conquered death. He rose Jesus from the dead. And we know that there's more than even after that. He's taken us through so much and he's, he's doing so much for us. He cares for us by then receiving believers into his presence and adopting us into his family. We're his. He cares for us by preparing a glorious future after this life, a place of indescribable glory and peace. The reality is that there is no greater depth of care than what God has for his people. There's no greater depth of care than the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. Because in that sacrifice, he then adopts us and makes us his own and we have a future. It's all wrapped up in that and it's all done by God. We can be secure in that. Paul gives us some practical instruction in 1 Timothy 6.12 about this idea of casting our anxieties because there is something practical that we need to understand. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. How do we do that? Well, what, what that comes down to is fighting unbelief. So, so we fight unbelief to fight or cast our anxiety on Jesus. The Bible is quite clear. How do we fight unbelief? It's very clear. We fight unbelief. We build our faith by filling our entire being with God's word. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you fill yourself, as you hear God's word spoken and, and read it into your, your being, you grow in your ability to understand who God is and your faith grows. So the greatest thing that we can do in this time of trial is to trust Jesus. And we trust Jesus more and more by filling our minds with scripture. To believe who he is. To believe that he's, he's, he's calm and he's, he's who he says he is and he loves us and he cares for us. That he died and he rose from the dead. We know those things by reading scripture. There is a reality and I've heard this in a number of different ways. And that reality in, in human life is that who or what 
we think is the most powerful will be the master of our thoughts. And our thoughts determine our actions. It's very easy for us to think that our lives are are impacted only by the general universal laws of nature. That we're we're only able to handle our stuff, so to speak. We need to remember that those laws are powerful. But God invented all those laws. He designed all the laws governing biology, physics, and all of the systems that we see working in our universe. And he created us. He knows how we're wired. We need to remember very, very carefully during this time. He is more powerful than this virus. The greatest response that we have then to the virus is to believe Jesus is greater and more powerful than the virus or the fear that it produces. We need to remember that everything that occurs does so either because God makes it happen or he allows it to happen. If we trust God, he will take us through every storm. If we trust, I want to say that, I want you to get that deep inside of you. If we trust God, he will take us through every storm. Do you remember the the, the most recognized psalm in, in, in all of the book of Psalms? It's Psalms 23. In that psalm, the psalmist says, through the valley of the shadow of death. Not around the valley. Through the valley. God will deliver his people from every storm, even the storm that kills us. Because the reality is, even if the believer dies, we win. If we die for whatever reason, we go home to be with Jesus. Nothing could be possibly better than being at home with Jesus. Paul wrote to Timothy, Timothy um, 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every, ever, every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Did you catch that? The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. He will bring you as a believer to his kingdom. If you're not a believer, you need to be a believer so you can trust him and so you can have a destination after this life. In John eleven twenty five twenty six, 26, Jesus says this. He's speaking to a woman and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? It's very similar to the question that he asked of the disciples. Why are you afraid? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? If you believe that, then you will never die 
in the same way that those who don't know Jesus will die. Because we will always be in Jesus. We will always be with him. He says, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's eternal life. Do you believe this? If you believe this, if you have faith in Jesus, then Paul's words from Romans 8 are magnificent to you and glorious to you and should drive you even in in the unknowns of, of this virus pandemic. Last part of Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, not even a virus, can separate us from the love of God, which we find in Christ Jesus. Wherever you're at, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. That even though there is so much we don't understand about what's happening right now. And Father, we, 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 don't, we don't know from day to day what we should do. You know. I thank you, Father God, that you care for us so deeply. And I ask, Father God, that you well up inside of us uh, an excitement and a reminder in our minds, that you have conquered death, that you have a place for those who believe who you are. Help us, Father. Guide our steps every day. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts to remember the word, to remember scripture, to apply scripture, and to use that as, as a, a, a tool and as a, as a weapon against anxiety and fear. And I thank you, Father God, that you will also use this as a time to draw people into your kingdom. For those who don't know Jesus, I ask, Father God, that if they, they heard this this morning, that they would desire to know Jesus and that they would give themselves to you and acknowledge their sinfulness and cry out to you for mercy. Bring people into your kingdom through this. Be glorified even in this pandemic. And I ask, Father God, that as we walk through the next days and weeks, that you would use us as the church, the church, the living God. I thank you for each person, Father God. And I ask, Father God, that understanding and being reminded of the faith we have in Jesus would be our peace. Thank you, Father God, for all that you've done through your Son. Thank you for your word that transforms us and gives us knowledge of who you are. Thank you for the future that you have for those who believe in you. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name, amen.